Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Phil and Kyle start a podcast, and Rudy Gobert comes to town. Hardly a coincidence, it's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tyge. And then Rudy Gobert gets put on the, uh, what's, what's the list <laughs> called? The... Uh, yeah, the, uh, the health and safety list. protocols, I think. Is that just for COVID? Are we still doing that? I think so. It, it's to the point where uh, someone was joking with Chris Finch over the weekend. Chris Finch has no idea what the protocols are. I don't think anyone knows. But I didn't like, even he, know that they were still doing like the pull a guy off a team because he's sick. The NFL basically said, we don't care anymore. Just yep. whatever. Do, do, just, I think you self careful. kind of admit yourself that he hadn't been feeling well leading up to that Friday game. Ant didn't either. They both played, and then the next day he checked himself into the COVID protocols, and now you just got to kind of wait. I know he's not playing tonight against the Knicks, but it's so weird. No one really knows the protocols, but they looked they looked pretty good without yeah. him on Saturday. Uh, they, they did, and we can we can we can talk about uh, you know how much they're going to get in a trade uh, for Rudy Gobert here uh, soon <laughs> throughout the episode. No, uh, so we'll get into favorite least favorite things. We'll get into flagrant or no. Uh, I'm going to be. Uh, I'm going to be sitting inside the Target Center. I'm in Minneapolis here for, this, for this episode. I'm a little ashamed that I haven't shaved the parachute to my mustache or the safety net <laughs> like you did. Dude, you went full for the for the YouTube audience. They're probably just like mouth agape. Wow, look at the bull mustache. Uh, Kyle literally has a Tom Selleck right now <laughs> with no safety net. Nothing. No, nope. uh, not allowed near schools, I don't think. But no, I, sh- I told you I shaved this on Friday morning, and then I haven't like lost a bet since then. So um, I'm close to a divorce, but I'm really on a heater right now when it comes to you, bets. So until you look I like lose. An, you look like an unsolved mysteries sketch. <laughs> Just, <laughs> have I you have no seen this generic mustached man who kidnapped so five good. kids in a small town in Pennsylvania? My dad has my dad has an amazing mustache, but yeah, this just looks like I drew it on with pencil. But it is real; <laughs> uh, it's not great. But yeah, sorry to the audience if you have kids. But um, it's it's uh, I'm on a heater right now. The Wolves keep winning, the Vikings keep winning, so I can't shave it until maybe 2026. Man, man. Uh, well, I guess. Maybe I could shave the beard here tonight, and for it's looking for, good for, though. Yeah, for, for next week, maybe I'll maybe I'll join you. We'll Mon- see. Mustache Monday will be a good one. Yes. So, um, well, tonight the Wolves play the Knicks. A lot of you are going to be listening to this podcast maybe even after that game is over. So we're going to keep this more of like a sort of broad thematic mm-hmm. episode of Flagrant Howls, your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast, where we just want and still want the Timberwolves to win fifty games this season for the first time in almost twenty years. Uh, mathematically, they're off pace to do so. They're only on pace for 41 victories right now because they're five and five. So um, let's just start with 
you pick a category, least favorite or favorite. Where do you want to start? You want to start? You want to rip the bandaid off, or do you want to yeah, start with the, the bandaid the off? Least, least favorite. What was your least favorite thing you've noticed? Friday, they had a game. Friday, game Saturday, one one lost yeah. one. Which didn't you I, like? I think I think my least favorite thing is just how, and, I, and this is not surprising yet. I think it it was always going to take like twenty games, but my least favorite thing is how the lineups that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be good are good, like the Rudy Gobertless mm-hmm. team from mm-hmm. the other night, uh, and then like the Ant plus small teammates lineups throughout the season, or the Jordan McLaughlin as the point guard with any lineup combination compared to D'Lo. Mm-hmm. That a lot of these lineups are good for the Wolves through ten games, but the main lineup that you need to be good has been underperforming through ten games. I am not saying it's a finished product. I'm not even like sounding a panic alarm necessarily, but I I think my least favorite thing is that the lineup that needs to be good is dragging behind. It yep. looks like it's not playing as hard as it could. Uh, it's not playing smart basketball. But these other lineups, are, oh look look what's possible when these other groups go out there. So just oh, a little frustrating. And, you know, we'll just keep saying it until we get to 20 games, but 10 games through, that's probably the biggest issue is just that at the end of the day, you have to have this starting five work or some iteration of at least 80% of that starting lineup. And it just hasn't, uh, and starting to kind of piss people off because it's just not fun. Like it's just so clunky still that it's like, there's just no rhythm and flow. Um, so clearly, obviously Rudy played on Friday. I thought they actually played better against the Bucks. That Bucks team, is such a wagon and has so much chemistry and experience. Now this is like the third year of their experiment with Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez and those guys. So they just know how to play and they just stuck it to the Wolves, but the Wolves played pretty well. And then Saturday, yeah, as little as you take away from getting trounced by a Bucks team, you can't take too much away from that Rockets game either because they're the other end of the spectrum. They're so bad. Um, but I guess my, the thing I haven't liked is just the shooting. Like that, this team didn't lose as much shooting as people think. Malik Beasley was a, a volume three-point shooter, but Pat Bev wasn't like, you know, in the three-point contest. And Vando wasn't shooting threes, although I don't know if you knew this, but now Vando's shooting threes in Utah. And it's Dude, like... What is what is happening in Utah? <laughs> Utah, I don't know, just, man. Utah just trades their two best players, and now they're just... They're apparently, awesome. they're, just, they're just better. <laughs> and Vando yeah. is... Vando's Jerk Nowitzki, and all right. I think Vando's shooting better from three at a better percentage and better volume than Jaden is. So it's like, oh, okay, well, excuse me while I go drink bleach. But <laughs> they just they just play a really good style of basketball. That, If nothing else, from the first 10 games, that Utah loss was not a bad loss. Like, that Utah Jazz team is beating everyone. So, but yeah, the Wolves just don't make a lot of threes right now. Van- um, I'm sorry, I guess you got it. Vando is 6 for 11 from downtown to start the season. And I don't hold me to this, but I think six threes is more than he's had in his whole career coming into he this season. Three so. made threes yep. in his career in four seasons, and he has six in the first two weeks, basically. And he, again, he's not, you know, high volume, but he just gives you that one or two attempts a game that kind of spaces the floor. On a, if, if, if you're a basketball nerd, I know there's like every team plays tonight, but go watch the Utah Jazz because they are, they're fun. They play the kind of basketball that you would want this to look like, right? Like, no egos, just passing the ball, making the right cuts. So, but yeah, the Wolves just don't shoot a lot. Of, like they don't make a lot of threes right now, and that's pulling down their offense. It just they're not a very efficient offense because it's so they're just not at the same volume, not the same makes, they're not the same attempts. So they just got to kind of tick that up, and their offense will just kind of skyrocket in terms of league average. But well, in the Rockets that, game again, you can't like use the Rockets game right, as a measuring exactly. stick. But what happened? They made a bunch of threes in that game. Mm-hmm. They, Pulling well, somebody out. Right. And they looked it just the ball flowed more. I mean, they had issues protecting the rim in that game too. And 
some rebounding stuff. But yeah, the Saturday night game against what is maybe the one of the worst teams in the league, the Rockets, they just looked a little better. So that's not the team that's going to play in April. You have to figure out the Rudy Gobert thing, but maybe in his absence, you can develop some more, you know, just some more movement, some more trust, some more ball, like just kind of swinging the ball around the perimeter a little more while he's out. And you'll see that tonight when you're, you know, sitting there courtside at center court uh, against the Knicks team, they don't have Mitchell Robinson. So it's going to be two small ball lineups and the Wolves should feast because small ball has kind of been their thing. We're going to hear bellowing Tom Thibodeau, uh, Thibodeau too. Yeah. We? Yeah. You're going to, he's just going to switch. Be, he's already switch. been yelling. Ice, yeah. ice. And he, ice, they've, they've been really disappointing too. So that's another kind of good game for the Wolves to kind of me- measure themselves against what is pretty disappointing Knicks team, but they've got some good players. They got Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle and yeah. Tibbs always it takes it personal when he plays against Minnesota. So you should have a good time tonight. If nothing else. Not, yes, it will be. Uh, I don't I don't love the late start as a guy that likes no. to to go to bed kind of early and kind of kind of an old man, you know, drink a glass of red wine around 845 uh, and go to bed. Um, the 815 start time locally here because the NBA Brutal. is staggering each game by 15 minutes so they can roll out all these free games on their app to mm-hmm. get people on their app. <laughs> kind of an interesting marketing ploy. Um, other least favorite things. I'm going to continue to say the obvious gap between Jordan McLaughlin and D'Angelo Russell. D'Lo's shown a couple flashes. Mm-hmm. I guess him and Finch sat down. I think it was before the Bucks game, and just kind of talked about the early. Like Finch, Finch isn't. He's not like stiff arming D'Lo, and I think Finch feels an obligation to, especially after what happened in that Memphis series where he mm-hmm. just flat out went away from him in the last six minutes of the series. I think he he's trying to pump him up and coach him up and tell him it's okay, it's a rough start. But he's already essentially had like a sit-down with D'Lo. Yeah. I think Finch said it himself. Um, and, and, hey, you know, it's okay. We'll just we'll get this thing going. But, you know, we are 10 games into the season. He's still shooting 38% from the field. He's not knocking down threes at a higher rate. And um, don't get me started on lineup combinations again unless you want me to. But uh, it just keeps tilting toward Jordan McLaughlin having a positive impact on lineups. Mm-hmm. Um, he had he had a game. Was it the Rockets game? He had eleven yeah, assists and 11 one assists, turnover. One, and that one turnover came thirty seconds at the end of the game. Like it was a yeah. perfect night for him. So the four best three man lineup combinations for the Timberwolves in terms of net points per one hundred possessions. The four best all include Jordan McLaughlin. It's. It's, it's it's becoming it's fairly glaring. So we're, we're, it's, we're, I don't I don't yeah. I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. We're starting to lose the small sample size tag, and now it's starting to become a trend. Uh, there was a really good, just a small little video, but um, Jace Frederick of the Pioneer Press put out this little video this morning on his Twitter account, and it's just a uh, this play against the Rockets where it's a long shot equals a long rebound, and Jordan McLaughlin flies from one end of the court to the other to just kind of like it's not his zone to rebound the ball. But he just sprints in, gets the deflection, kind of gets the rebound, and gets fouled right away and falls to the ground. But it's like those little things that the Wolves just don't do outside of Jordan, but they're winning plays. Yeah. I mean, it, it probably just goes down on, on the score sheet as a rebound, but it was such an in- high-intensity rebound. And he just does – I mean, I think he became – I think Wolves PR said he was the first Timberwolves player – first player in Wolves history with multiple 10-plus assists, zero turnover games off the bench. Like, he's – it's becoming a thing now. Go look at his game logs. Like he just is going to give you a three to one, four to one, five to one, hell ten to one, uh, assist to turnover ratio, and that's just 
that's just getting good shots and doing it with low risk. And it's a reason that he has to continue to play as much as possible. So yeah, Finch probably believes that you and I believe that you can't trade D'Lo right now. You got to make it work while he's on the team, but you got to continue to inflate Jordan's minutes as much as possible because he's probably their most efficient player on the team. Yeah, he does have a nine to one assist to turnover ratio right now. If he uh, could just shoot a little more, just yeah. everyone else on the team too. But if he could just hit a couple more open threes, he would be. He's one of the best. He make a, he'd make a lot of league. money on his next contract. Dude. Yeah, that's true too. He's another contract year guy. So I'm with you. The that's another thing that hasn't. At some point, it's going to become a real talking point. Probably come end of November, it's like, hey, the best point guard on the team needs to play as much as possible. So who is that? And then go with it. Yeah. Another, another, just in the least favorite bin. I don't like that. I, I let me back up a step. I don't always buy into this narrative in sports. Like it's a thing in hockey, and it's it's a thing with this year's Timberwolves where they're not playing hard. I know it's mm-hmm. one of your pet peeves when they actually mm-hmm. aren't playing hard. I think sometimes it just looks like teams aren't playing hard because of the people that are on the court, or there's yep. uncertainty. Maybe they're not playing fast within a system because mm-hmm. it's just they're not used to playing with each other. Whatever. Um, but I will say one of my least favorite things about this team is that they look like they aren't playing as hard as last year's team, whether that's mm-hmm. partially rooted in reality or it just looks that way because uh, they haven't played with Rudy before and yep. and Delo's off to a bad start or whatever. Uh, but it's not a coincidence that when you take the two guys off the team that played the hardest, right? If you would have <laughs> right. surveyed like last year's fans, okay, who plays the hardest on last year's Timberwolves team, whether it's reality or perception? Uh, well, Jared Vanderbilt and probably Pat Beverly. They're just scrappy, just grinder players that just try to fill the cracks. You're not running plays for those guys. They're just they're getting rebounds. They're getting hands in passing lanes, and they're just they're yep. diving on the floor and stuff. So, uh, I, you know, we knew that there was going to be some sort of impact with those guys leaving, and you thought that the, the, the impact would be less than the addition of Gobert and stuff, and it's way too early to say one way or the other, but – it looks like they're not playing with as much grit and try hard. And maybe that's because they lost the two guys that would be number one and number two on that, on that ranking. list. And this is a specific nerdy thing, but in that rockets game third quarter, I think there was the wolves had a long shot, long rebound and Carl did dive to the ground to save the ball. I think he ended up getting fouled or called a timeout, but it was probably the first time I've seen him go to the ground for one of those 50, 50 balls. Uh, that's very minor, very small sample, but you want to see those guys now, whether it be a Kyle Anderson or a Torian Prince, they've got to fill that energy void. And I, I thought, again, what can you gain from that Rockets win? Not much, but I saw some guys giving a little more effort. Um, and someone made a good point to me too, is occasionally when you see guys that you, you think they're not trying hard, it's because maybe they're thinking because they're in this whole experiment and they're trying to like, Am I supposed to do this on defense? Am I supposed to do this? And it might, they might just be frozen. So it looks like they're not trying. And I thought that was probably a valid point early on. It's like maybe they're thinking too much and it's affecting just doing what Jordan McLaughlin does. Just play, just play free, play careless in a good way. Um, so I still think the energy and the effort is something to monitor, but I, I don't know. I just, once Kyle Anderson came back, everything made me happy because that guy just does all the little things. His box scores are hilarious. It's like five, four, two, four, one. Yeah. But, you would, you would hope that as they start to kind of figure this out more and trust each other, that they're going to be able to play a little more carefree and that'll make the effort look better. Well, let's, uh, unless you have anything else to clean up in the least favorite bin here, we can move into the, the favorite bin. 
Yeah, you what's your well, what was your biggest favorite thing? Because I have Kyle a couple. An- Kyle Anderson. Okay, let's that, go, that's gonna be mine too. <laughs> okay, he's just he he is. You need him to sort of fill that, yep. that void that we were the, the try hard void. Yep. And again, asterisk next to anything Rockets related. It's the second youngest team in the NBA. They have one win in their first two and a half weeks. That's a team that's headed straight for for uh, top three pickville. Yep. But you know, you put him in for 31 minutes, you get 16 points on seven shots, and then you get six assists. You get some rebounds. You get hands in passing lanes, three steals, only one turnover. Just the type of. It's funny because he. He's not like an energy guy in that he's slow mo, right? He's he's kind of he's <laughs> exactly. kind of he's an energy guy, but he's not. <laughs> he's an energy guy in that he does things. You don't have to run plays for him, but he'll do things and he'll be active and he will he'll be a productive player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's not your classic energy guy in that he's gonna send a bolt of lightning through through the players he's playing with. It's a, it's a, it's a, he brings an interesting dynamic that's that's been positive so far. And he had his best game. You just out, or laid out his stats, but his best game was on Saturday. He had those back spasms for a little bit, so it kind of slowed down his introduction to this team, to the fan base. But we got to go back to July. If, if the Rudy Gobert trade doesn't happen and they just kind of run this back, um, the order of operations on all these transactions was the first big move was to go sign Kyle Anderson. That was whether or not it was Rudy Gobert or Walker Kessler or JaVel McGee, like whoever was playing center. They wanted Kyle Anderson. That was the first guy they wanted. And you're kind of seeing why now. I mean, Gobert was out on Saturday. I think pregame Finch said, I'm either going to probably start Nas Reed or Torian Prince. Psych starts Kyle Anderson, and it was the right move. And I think when Rudy comes back, if if there is a fall guy for that starting five, the likely one's going to be Jaden. Yeah, um, that makes and sense. if they take Jaden out, I think Kyle Anderson's a perfect guy to put in there because he can play. I mean, he can... He can play point. He can play center. He did it on Saturday. So he just does all those little things to be able to get six assists, like one turnover, three steals. He hit a couple threes. I don't, I don't think he's going to shoot 70% from three with those mechanics, but um, he keeps <laughs> you honest, which is kind of the Vando thing. Like he just, he's going to take enough shots to keep you honest, to spread the floor. But also too, after that game, they all players raved about him. Like they respect that guy. He does talk a lot in the locker room. So he might be, the answer to our leadership power rankings of who's going to fill that void. He's been through the Spurs system, through the Grizzly system. He's played for elite coaches, elite teams. He knows he's a winner and that's what this team needed. So the, it was Kyle Anderson weekend basically for the Timberwolves and it went really, really well. You may have stumbled into our next power ranking here, actually J- janky mechanic jump shooters. Oh, do you got any more that come to mind? I mean, Markel uh, well, Fultz uh, is yeah, one. Oh, Markel Fultz, Sean Marion. Sean, uh, here's a fun, here's a fun fact. Go or stop the podcast for a second. Go Google Sean Marion fingers. He's got a finger that looks just like Harry Potter's lightning bolt. What? Oh, it's just like his finger. Yeah, dude. He's got like a finger that like starts going north and then takes a detour west. And he's got some weird fingers. Sean Marion finger. I'm going to do this. Yeah, this is, this is. Oh, oh, it's like. (laughs) There we go. It looks like, it looks like his pinky is snapped in half sideways. Yep. yep. Is his That's... hand always like that? It's it's yeah, I think his hands were like that when he played for the Suns. I don't know how it happened. I've also heard and with the Mavericks, I'm seeing it. Yeah. Yep. Well, that was he went to the Mavericks after the Suns, I guess. I, I've heard sometimes that like athletes have more messed up fingers than you think, which is like another topic for another day. But yeah, Sean Marion, 
Google search fingers. Wow. Uh, they definitely weren't helping his shooting mechanics. He really kind of like spun it with both hands. Um, but Sean Marion, Kyle Anderson, Markel Fultz, um, who I got to think. There's you know someone... what? I'm going to throw one of the greatest shooters of all time on this. Okay. Reggie Miller. He kind of yeah, had like the, like, the, like the sideways spin, like shot across the face sort of yep. mechanics, right? That was really good. I mean, Ben Simmons is another one because he's shooting with his wrong hand. Everyone thinks he's right-handed, but <laughs> yes. uh, Sean Marin's a good one. Kyle Anderson at least has like a good base to his jump shot. It's just it, the slow-mo thing. Like it really, he takes his time to shoot those threes, but hell, they went in on Saturday. And if he can give you a third of that, it just opens up so many more things. Mm. So we both agree on Kyle Anderson. Okay, what else stood out in the last you know few days? Your favorite things about the Timberwolves? I I continue to just think Carl's playing pretty well. I he's gonna give you a bad foul. Uh, he had another offensive foul where he kind of just punched Sengun in the face. It seemed like, um, and he's gonna do some things that kind of irritate you. But he's been taking more threes. I think he had like six attempts in those games. I'd love that to be eight. But he's trying to spread the floor. His pet, his playmaking continues to probably be the best on the team. Um, and it's just really efficient. And I mean, he had, I think he had like two blocks and a steal again, the Rockets game, throw that out the window. But I just thought he's been looking like his old self again, as he kind of figures out his new body. Yeah. Um, and he, they need that because if he can be an all-star level player and just be consistent, he's been the guy I think that's gelled the best. We've, we said this last week, he has the most assists to Gobert, like 50% of Gobert's shots have been assisted by Carl. So I think Carl, after starting the season, with maybe a silly quote and some poor play has started to come on. And I think that's going to help because he's going to be the more shots he can take from three. I think the better this team is going to be because he is such a good, efficient shooter. So I've just liked, I've liked his last, you know, 10 days or so as a Timberwolf in general, you know, a few interesting trends through 10 games for him that aren't necessarily surprising, just given where he's, where he's playing in that starting lineup. So free throws are down second lowest Mm -hmm. free throws per game since his rookie season he's down two he's down two free throw attempts per game since uh he's been at like six and a half the last few he's at four and a half this year his assists are way up mm-hmm. two two assists per game off the three and a half last year's five and a half assists per game and i think i don't i think a lot of those are just extra assists to rudy yep he's just it's just an extra option in there for him to to find rudy at the rim rebounds are way down so mm-hmm. his peak was 12 and a half rebounds a game for three straight years early in his career. He was only at 10 last year and then eight and a half so far this year. Not super shocking if he's playing further away from the basket at times, mm-hmm. both on offense and defense. And uh, and the three point percentage is, is the lowest since right now anyway, since his rookie season. But he's still shooting like 37 percent from downtown. So some of this is just he's he's still rounding into basketball shape. But some of it is his numbers might look a little different and his productivity might look different based on the lineup that he's now yep. largely playing with, right? Well, when you think of Carl last year, you think about him catching the ball at the top of the key, pump faking and driving, but the whole lane was wide open. Well, we talked about Ant and him being able to navigate the trees to get to the rim. Carl is probably the one that maybe suffers the most from that because if he's in there alongside Rudy, Rudy's right there by the rim. Carl doesn't have as much space to drive. It's He's a big dude trying to get to the rim, but all those other numbers pretty much kind of makes sense right like his assists are up he's trying to make the right pass more the rebounds are down that makes sense because Rudy gobbles them all up although I will say like Saturday against the Rockets he just got beat for some rebounds by Sangoon um for the Rockets that I 
he doesn't look like he's rebounding like the way he used to when he was a younger guy. He's still only like 26, 27. But when he was 22, 23, he was a pretty damn good rebounder. And I don't know if it's an effort thing or just, again, doesn't have the legs, doesn't have the strength to hold guys off. But you'd like to see that number get. He should still average 10 rebounds a game, even if Rudy Gobert has, you know, 18 because he plays enough and their teams miss shots. So, but yeah, all those, I just think he's kind of rounding into form. The shot thing, like if you've ever gone and shot hoops after you've had the flu, you just don't have your legs. You don't have your muscle memory. So hopefully another week from now that percentage goes up. But I've just liked, I've liked everything he's done kind of ever since Popeye's gate. Yeah. Speaking of Popeye's gate, we're going to, we're going to get to a bad <laughs> transition. thing maybe regarding, well, let's, let's, we'll do the the video clip that was, and we don't have it queued up for the YouTube audience, but a lot of people have seen it on social. We'll get to that. I do want to put Anthony Edwards in my, in my favorite things. Okay. Bin. Okay. I, 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 there are some things where I just I, I would like to see a little a little more out of him, um, even and we'll and we'll kind of get to one of those things. But I like that through ten games, his scoring is up, mm-hmm. his rebounding is up, his offensive efficiency is up a tick. He's at he, this is going to get in the weeds a little bit, but he's at a fifty four percent EFG effective field goal percentage, which is up fi- from fifty one percent for his career. And um, and his and he's getting to the line a little more lately than he was early in the season. And most importantly, he's dunking again. He must have seen <laughs> all the chatter on social media of like, dude, it's been eight games. You've yet to dunk. I think he dunked twice maybe in that Rockets game. So he he has dunked. It's OK. He doesn't have you know, people have a lot of theories as to why he wasn't dunking. I <laughs> You know, does he have a degenerative, degenerative knee problem? Is he is he too fat and out of shape? Can he not jump that high anymore? And as, I don't, I don't think any of those are true. I just maybe he just, uh, I don't know. I, don't, I guess I don't really know why he wasn't dunking, but he does have two dunks now. So the dunking tanks takes had gotten so spicy that I was just like waiting for like Joe Rogan to start talking about him. Like they were so out of left field. <laughs> it's a three hour Joe Rogan breakdown. Is yeah, he just, he's like Ant breaking down dunkless. these MRIs of Ant's legs <laughs> uh, next to the pyramids of Giza. But no, I, you know, again, Ant had Rudy alongside him on Friday and then Saturday, there's no Rudy. They're kind of playing a more similar 2022 version of the wolves. And he started out that thing with a dunk, but I just think that's him playing himself into I don't want to say shape because now we're starting to wonder, did he actually come into camp a little too big? I mean, he gained muscle, but was he also a little big, whatever happens. But I don't know. I just, I thought that whole thing was overplayed. Like if it was 28 games and he hadn't dunked, let's talk about it on ESPN, but eight games, it might just be, again, he's still getting to the rim. Like you said, he's still, he's upping his free throw uh, attempts per game. Like he's clearly being aggressive. It's not like he's, you know, those first 10 games of Anthony Edwards, his rookie year, he was taking a lot of bad shots and settling. I don't yeah. think he's doing that now, but um, for the most part, I've loved everything Ant's done. A couple plays here or there where he might take plays off, and it's egregious to see in, in real time. But for the most part, it's been a good third year so far through 10 games. He is too, and I know that you can't do this because these games do exist, and he has to own them. But if you take the first game out where he went 4 for 17 and 1 for 7 from three-point range, it was just... He did a bunch of other stuff in that game, mm-hmm. but he just couldn't score in that game. So if you take that out as the outlier, and again, it's part of his resume. You, yep. Yep. you could do this with any player. Um, he's shooting 49% on the season and 39% from three-point range, averaging 24 points, five rebounds, three-and-a-half assists, 
So you would you would consider those numbers since that first game debacle offensively to be a leap. This would this would classify as a thirty year leap. Yep. yep. With those numbers. Uh, so again, it's only been ten games. There's there's things for him to to keep working on, but there's generally he has he there's been two games where he's disappeared offensively, and then the the, the third game where he didn't score in the first half, but he did score eighteen in the second half. Generally, he's been a scoring force. Yep. For the Timberwolves this year. Yep. Which is which is good. Yeah, and he he was a plus twenty again. I know we're downplaying the Rockets win, but it was it was a win. Uh, on the second night of a back-to-back, which should be mentioned because he had looked pretty bad in the second night of back-to-backs, but he was a plus 20. He led the team in plus-minus. Uh, and for the most part, he's just he's scoring efficiently. He's giving you more on defense, I mean, night and day compared to rookie year Ant. Um, I think the main thing he's trying to figure out, as is this team, right? They were so fun and gritty last year, but now people know about you. Now they there's expectations. Like, we're talking about this team trading all these picks, it's not to make the playoffs. It's to, you know, essentially make the finals or make the second round. Mm-hmm. With Ant, it was like no one thought you were a good draft pick. You proved them wrong. You've been fun. You've said the right things. You, you're awesome. But now people expect you to be really good night in and night out. And that's what all star do. That's what superstars do. And you just can't have those scoreless first halves. You can't have that four for what you say seventeen game one. Yeah. Um. And you can't have plays where you don't move, like at all. So I don't know if you saw that video, but <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get. Uh, what do you want? You want? You want to just? You want to put this in flagrant or no? Or do you want to just? Uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I sent you the video. So there is a video online. It was against. It's all the over Twitter too. It's yeah, you can find it. Yeah, talk about conspiracy theories. It was uh, they it was the wolves. Let's set the set the scene. They came out of a a timeout. Finch ran a play. It was a pretty good play actually. I think it resulted in a Jane McDaniel's three attempt. Um, but Ant is standing kind of in the corner or the diagonal corner, extended from the free throw line. Hands on his hips the entire play. Yeah. Doesn't set a he he doesn't move the entire it's, Ran, play. it's Randy Moss 2001. Ball gets snapped. I play when I want to play. He doesn't yep. move up the line of scrimmage. Like. So the video online, if you've seen it, if you're not, I think Nikias, he covers the NBA. Go check it out. It's all over the place if you just Google Anthony Edwards. But he just doesn't move this entire play. All his other teammates are moving. They're running up, you know, what looks like Finch drew up a play on the on the whiteboard. And Ant never moves the entire time. And now I'll throw it to you because you've seen it. But before we get into the conspiracy theories, it was uh, flagrant or no. What what did you think of what was was that a would that play a big deal? Are you concerned about that that one highlight that gets snipped and put on screenshot Twitter? If the statement is that play was a big deal, I yes. would say that is not a flagrant foul. I okay. think it is kind of a big deal. I don't think you can just do. I, I don't know if he was like pouting or if he's. This is this is where it opens up for a lot of theories too. Is he annoyed that the offense isn't just running through him on a play-by-play basis? Mm-hmm. Is he annoyed when plays get called that don't involve him? I mean, mm-hmm. he's basically just a, a three-point decoy here. Just take a defender out of the mix. And in fairness, the defender was standing face-guarding him the entire yeah. time. Yep. So it actually didn't impact the play negatively. Um, was he just tired and decided I'm going to I'm not involved in this play I'm just going to stand here and get 25 seconds of a breather with my hands on my hips it it, it was an immature weird look for him uh, uh, yeah so I, I, I'm I not going to say that it wasn't a big de- I'm not going to like blow it out of proportion but it was it was just like a take give me the top 10 stars in the NBA Steph Curry Luka Durant like whoever you want to put on that list Jimmy Butler at times mm-hmm. 
are any of them just standing with their hands on their hips while an uh, an offensive set is being run? This wasn't like isolation. I see this in isolation all the time, right? Where mm-hmm. all right, we're going to clear out and James Harden's going to do his James Harden thing here <laughs> for like 20 seconds. Right. And there's four other guys that are. But even then, like the four other guys are in a catch and shoot position. Right. You're kind of crouched over and you're ready for a pass on the three point line. He wasn't even ready for a pass. If if somehow a pass would have been thrown to him, he would have had his hands on his hips. It's so a crazy it's, it's video. Weird. <laughs> it is weird. I to the point of some of the people that have talked about it this morning or yesterday, um, being like, "This is something to monitor." The like thinking like trade demands or like that he's mad. I watched that video. I also saw it in real time. I put it in my notes. I was like, "That was a bad play." But then the Wolves missed the shot and Ant immediately snaps into like defensive mode. So like he clicked. If you watch the, the the play cuts off, then it's great for causing drama on Twitter. If you go back and watch the game, he immediately like snaps into like defending the guy that got the rebound. So yeah. I don't think he was pissy or I don't think he was pouting, but I still think it's kind of a big deal because there's go watch an Anthony Edwards game. There's multiple times where he takes plays off. Uh, and I think that's what he did here. He does it some other times where he doesn't jog back. Listen, LeBron does that, and James Harden does that, and a lot of guys do that. But when they do that, it goes viral, <laughs> and you're in that pantheon now, kind of of, you know, being a top ten, like untradeable guy, right, or a top ten franchise guy. You just can't have those plays, and this is all time sensitive. I'm sure tonight, pregame or you know post game or whatever, they'll talk to Ant about that and ask him like, what was that about, and he'll give a funny answer. But it just is a bad look. Even if Finch was like, hey, Ant, we want you to just... Finch might have told him, don't move. Just have your guy glued to you so we can give Jaden more room to cut. But it just doesn't look good. Um, and I, it, it, it's one of the mild criticisms I have of Ant is that if you are a super-duper star and a franchise player, all-NBA, I mean, you want to be all-defense, you can't take plays off. You just you have to... All-defense isn't about a highlight block against Russell Westbrook in that Lakers game where he strips the ball. All defense is about all the other dirty stuff you got to do that doesn't get counted. So yeah, it's not the biggest. He's not he's not trying to leave Minnesota, but it's just a bad look and something that the best players rarely do. And when they do it, they get called out for it. Yeah, I didn't take it as like a protest against the organization. No, no. I don't. He wasn't glue girl. Yeah, <laughs> he's just that's what happened. He glued his feet to the three point line, <laughs> exactly. just trying to play it cool with his hands on his hips. Uh, but it it is probably one of those if you're if you're Chris Finch. I'll throw this question at you. Is that a yep. play where Chris Finch should grab that 15-second, 20-second video clip and sit him down and say, hey, man, what happened here? I would be, knowing Finch and getting to talk, like, I would be shocked if that didn't come up, like, on Sunday at, at shoot-around or if it didn't come up at all, like, just pull him aside. And, again, it goes back to the Timberwolves analogy. This is a different – we're in a different world now. It's not just the pesky Timberwolves – making the playoffs and against the Grizzlies, you have expectations. If you're Anthony Edwards, you have expectations now. You've had a great first two years, but everything you post off the court now is going to be more micromanaged. Everything you eat is going to be more, everything you say, like you can't yeah. be the franchise player and say, yeah, you know what? I just, I'm probably not going to have it on back-to-backs. You can't do that stuff anymore. And I think he's learning in real time. Um, I think he just took the playoff and is like, yeah, Jaden's going to score. Uh, Cause again, he, Played really good basketball after that play. God forbid if anyone watched the game. So it's not the biggest deal, but it's part of the learning process for a 21-year-old who's going from kind of an unknown first overall pick to one of the best young players in the league. Yeah, and, and you know, it kind of goes back to one of the things we talked about earlier, that whether it's reality or 
just kind of a perceptual thing, this team doesn't look like it's playing hard all the yep. time. Mm-hmm. And that just that's just another example help. of it. Mm-hmm. So, all right, here's one for you. Flagrant or no? We've had a lot of talk about D'Lo. D'Lo's off to just a really bad start. Didn't he have like a three for 15 there too? The, um, the Bucks game wasn't potted. very good, yeah. So just a lot of a lot of bad D'Lo to start the season. This is the last year of his contract, $31 million. It's an expiring contract, so it could mm-hmm. be valuable for someone looking to clear cap space this summer. If – I don't even know if I'm going to put a qualifier on this. <laughs> the Timberwolves should look to trade D'Lo's expiring contract – before the trade deadline in season, flagrant or no? No, no. Or oh god, I'm still trying to learn the rules game. But that's a one hundred. That's one of the best things you've said is that it has to be discussed. You can't wait till the summer. You can't because this is one of those rare situations where that thirty some million that Phil just said, if it comes off the books, you don't have an empty room in your house. That house is just still. You don't have. You don't get cap space if D'Lo leaves. No. You just have no point guard. And now some people would joke and say, well, they don't have a point guard now. But you don't, you have to make those decisions prior to February 18th or whatever, because you're either going to extend him or you're going to trade him. But you don't, it's not one of those rare cases where if a player leaves, you have $30 million to spend. They don't have the money to spend. Yeah. So what would that trade look like? It would, it would essentially be because it's a, you know, it's, it's, there would be a team. I haven't done a full comb through yet, but I, yeah, I know what you, you mean. would have to take on and you'd have to take on $31 million in salary back mm-hmm. around there. So you'd have to probably take on a bad contract or two or something that has like, like next, like a year and a half left on a deal or something. Right. I don't know that there would be draft picks involved in this trade or not, but would right. you be willing to, to take on, you know, at least one bad contract to make up for the thirty-one million going to match salaries. I mean, that's that's part of the price. It's not just like, oh, this is full value. I mean, somebody would have to be taking on a player that they don't necessarily want because of the contract. So, and and then we should mention that if D'Lo was playing really, really well, this is still a really good question because again, it goes back to this yeah. is a rare situation where if he leaves your team, you don't have many other options other than just what you have on the roster. So yeah, it would probably be like a, I'm always a believer that any player can be traded. I mean, we've seen that now, like with Wiggins and Russell and John wall, all these guys, Westbrook, all these guys get traded. Like there's no such thing as a bad contract, but it would be Russell's expiring 30 some million dollars to like a Charlotte. And then you have to take back, I think like Terry Rogier and he has like three or four years left at 20 million a year. And then a guy who clears, right? So you're basically saying we're going to get rid of D'Lo. Um, and we're going to take on longer money because we don't have any money to spend anyway. We can at least we can swallow this, but we don't have free money to spend. And now you have Terry Rogier as your kind of pseudo starting point guard. I don't know if I love that, but mm. that's the types of deals that you're going to be you're looking right. for. You're not going to find I'm going to give you 35 million fill that expires May 31st. And you're going to give me 31 million that expires May 31st. Correct. That's not how it's going to work. There's a there's a yeah. A hundred percent. I think you just nailed it. And then the the second contract you would take comes off the books, right? You said yeah. You so you're saving a little money. You're basically summer. getting a starting point guard for twenty one million moving forward for three years. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny how how contracts just become bad right away. Like Terry Rozier didn't sign a contract that long ago, did he? It was like nope. a year ago. No. Nope. <laughs> and now it's like oh, yeah. Probably probably could have told you that you weren't going to love that contract. Um, although he is off to the best start of his career this year, for what it's worth, th- uh, three games. <laughs> Has he been hurt? I don't even know. I think he's been hurt. I mean, the, the Hornets are uh, definitely in the Wembanyama sweepstakes. They are not really motivated to win. Yeah. But it, it's again, it's it's a really 
we we got to make it through November, as we said last week, and you got to get a little more sample size and see who is going to work on this experiment long term. But when early December comes and you have more guys that are eligible to be traded, which just helps in the building of the contracts because thirty five million is a lot of money. You got to find the pieces to make that work. Yeah. Um, it's something they have to figure out, and they had to figure it out since the day they traded for Gobert because when they brought Gobert in, they burned all their possible cap space. You also don't have a ton of picks. You do have a bunch of guys. This is for next week or whatever, but the Iowa Wolves are the most exciting sports team on planet Earth right now. You should go check them out. <laughs> they have a bunch of young guys down there that are the new wave of experiments. But no, they have to figure this out in the next three to four months. Is Are we going to extend them or are we going to trade them? Because I would bet with a bullet that the option that they choose isn't going to be we're just going to ride it out to the summer because that's a bad option and it gives you the least flexibility. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to spring a new segment on you here that we I think we should do every single week. Okay. It's called Phil and Kyle Peak at the Western Conference Playoff Picture. <laughs> Deal. It's never Deal. too early. We're sitting here first week in November, and we are going to peak at the Western Conference Playoff Picture. So right now the Phoenix Suns are tied with the Utah Jazz for the number one seed. Now the, the Suns well, have a crazy. percentage points lead over the Jazz, but uh, those two teams are tied. Memphis is the three seed right now. Half game back. The Blazers and the Nuggets are a full game back of first. And the Mavericks are a game and a half. So so six teams within a game and a half of first place in the Western Conference. Then you get to the four play-in teams. The seven seed will be the Pelicans. The, the eight seed is the Clippers. The nine seed is the Spurs. And the Timberwolves are holding strong inside the play-in picture as the ten seed Right. <laughs> if the playoffs started today on November 7th. Yep. So if they did, remind me how this plan structure works. So they would play the nine seed Spurs, right? Oh, or, God. You put me on the spot. Or, no, or no, would they, would they play, 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 the, they'd play the seven seed Pelicans? Yes. Okay. And if and the Pelicans win, they're, they're in. in. Yep. But if the Wolves win, they have to win another game? Is that how yes, that works? Yes, they'd have to play then the I think the loser of the eight nine game. I can't believe I don't I already forgot these rules, but Adam <laughs> yeah. Silver changes them so often. But no, we you would get a Pelicans Wolves first quote unquote round play in game, and that game would be awesome. The Pelicans at full strength scare me a lot in the Western Conference. Some of these I, I do think the Jazz are gonna the Jazz are gonna be competitive. I don't know that they're gonna be like flirting with the second seed in the Western yeah. Conference. The Blazers are tough because I think it's dependent on how healthy and strong can Damian Lillard be for 82 games. And the mm -hmm. answer is usually he misses a lot of time. Um, so And he's missed some time this year. But uh, some of these other teams, like, I don't know that the Spurs are going to drop off a little, but the Spurs play hard. They're competitive. There's not that many pushover teams. I mean, the the Warriors right now are one of the worst teams in the West record wise. Right. That's not going to be the case all season, right? Right. They're three and seven, so um, they're not. The Wolves aren't just going to be able to like. They already got the easy portion of their schedule, and they're five hundred right now. So mm -hmm. they're going to have to actually work their way up this ladder. They're not going to be handed victories on a nightly basis. Yeah, they're two and a half games out of the one seed, and they're also two and a half games out of the fourteen seed. Such so as yeah. tells you, I mean, the the West is already a little more bottled up than the East, but um, yeah, like San Antonio, some of those teams too that are pesky, like the Spurs, like the Thunder, even with the Blazers, like you said, it's a lot easier to play hard those first couple months when you're 500. But the Spurs, I think, have lost three in a row. Once you're like, I don't know, man, 10 and 28, it's a little harder to get up for those games. So I think you'll start to see some of those teams kind of fall off. But 
But yeah, I mean, the 10, the 10 seed on November 7th isn't great, yeah. but they have a pretty good schedule coming up here too of uh, teams that are worth, you know, getting data on and being like, okay, that's a good win. I mean, the Knicks team plays hard. They might not have a great record, but they play hard. So, and they get to play the Suns again this week, who the Suns just lost Cam Johnson for the year. So they've got some good games coming up that'll be a much better benchmark than those Spurs Thunder games. Yeah. Amen. Uh, all right. There's your peek at the Western Conference I like playoff that. picture. We're gonna. I'm gonna force this on you every like week that. until the actual playoffs <laughs> are planned. <laughs> Only 26 more weeks of that. <laughs> uh, all right. Any other final thoughts here before uh, we say goodbye on this episode of of Flagrant House? Any mustache advice? What do you? No, I gotta get some wax. I got, now that I see it in real time, I need to trim it a little bit. But uh, the mustache will continue to stay. I mean, I feel confident they beat the Wolves or the Knicks tonight because the mustache is around. Um, but I'm excited for you to. This will be your first game you've attended since when? When's uh, the last time you were Since game? before COVID, I have not been to a Timberwolves okay. game at the Target Center since before COVID. Yeah. So we'll see. If you if the Wolves win by 20 tonight, you might have to stay in Minneapolis. That's like your mustache. I might have to, have go to, to games. Like, see if my wife will uh, will love hey, or hate that. I'm not sure. <laughs> hey, honey, just a quick detour. I'm going to be staying in Minneapolis for six more weeks. But yeah. uh, no, I I think tonight's a good another good litmus test. You had the really good Bucks. You had the really bad Rockets. And now you get a Knicks team that has deficiencies, but they play really hard under Tibbs. They're always desperate. And it should be a good kind of benchmark for what the Wolves are going to do in these next couple of weeks as they get Kyle Anderson more involved and get Jordan McLaughlin more involved um, and continue to kind of use that depth to pull out games early in the yeah. season. Amen. And uh, we got you guys two episodes a week here on Flagrant Howls. If you haven't already, click subscribe on the Scorn Earth YouTube channel and also uh, the like button on this particular video. And over on the audio side, if you could give us a five-star rating and a positive review on the Flagrant Howls Apple podcast feed, help spread the word about this uh, Timberwolves community that you guys are helping us build here. So thanks for hanging out. 50 wins is the goal here. <laughs> Got to pick up the pace, guys. Your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle and mustache grooming show, Flagrant Howls.